0: See you.
1: Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with my husband, Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hello. And with my dog, Wendy. Say hi for her.
2: Hello. I couldn't do it. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> she, was, she was spayed today. And on the Thursday episode, we talked about uh, our anxieties and fears, which I realize are irrational because it's a very standard routine procedure. But we've just had um, such bad luck with uh, dogs and with vets that I was really nervous. But thankfully, she's here and she's alive and she's fine. She's mm-hmm. down a uterus. Yeah. And some ovaries mm. but she seems good um, she didn't even have a cone they told us that she was gonna need to wear a cone for two weeks and I was thinking that's gonna be difficult for all parties involved because oh, yeah. um, Oliver had a cone for 20 minutes and could not handle it yeah. but then they brought her out and she they they didn't have her wearing one they said she didn't need one and since then she's been home and she's now she's actually like laying down but before she was sitting there and she was wanted to be sitting up, but she was falling asleep and it was like, she was like a tiny heroin addict on yeah. the nod.
2: Yeah, poor thing. When the when the nurse, do you call them nurses at the vet? I don't Techs,
1: the vet tech. The I, I did a lot of thinking about that today. Why are they called techs? I don't know. They
2: should but be they called, called nurses.
1: They're called vet techs though.
2: Yeah. Well, anyway, the uh, vet tech, because um, we asked about the cone, we're like, why doesn't she have a cone? We were told that she'd have one for two weeks and she said, oh, the doctor oversaw the um, procedure and said that she did really good with this, the sutures So she's not going to need one. And I'm I'm thinking, I've got proud for a second. Like, oh, my little girl. She doesn't, like she had any goddamn thing to do with it at all. You know, it was like, oh, she has good skin. Well, that's like when people
1: say how cute she is. I'm like, thank you. As if she sprung from my loins. But my thing is, how do they know that she was good with the sutures? Wasn't she knocked out for most of the day? I
2: think what she meant to say was that they sewed her up so well that it's uh, not like she can like the did sutures. well
1: the doctors did well with the sutures yes not, okay
2: Wendy didn't do anything she was, <laughs> <laughs> she was out
1: right all right so that all happened so we are I would say almost elated is too strong but we were so anxious before in fact mm-hmm. you were anxious about everything mm-hmm. other than Wendy you were Always. anxious about work stuff my work stuff all, all sorts of like it was like you were not on terra firma and I said are you worried about Wendy and you said no uh, but then, as soon as we got her back, you realized that that was the source of a lot of an- your anxiety.
2: It's interesting, right? Like how the mind works because you think that you're you in displaced. control of your emotions. Because yeah. I, I was like, well, let's see. Am I worried about Wendy? Not really. Um, but boy, am I anxious about work. I'm so anxious about this and that and the other thing. And oh, uh, I can't believe it. And then we pick up Wendy. Everything's fine. And I just felt like euphoric, like this huge, all the anxiety was gone. And it's like, oh, no, no, I was, I was anxious about Wendy. I, you, that feeling was, th- you know, before any intellectualization right. of it. It was, it was just a feeling I had about Wendy. I think Wendy. feelings always are. It, yeah, They've actually done studies on that. <laughs> no, for, for real. Like, I've, I wrote a book about it. Um, oh, right. Yeah, you should tell
1: them about your book.
2: Well, I co-wrote a graphic novel called Syndrome, and, and uh, I put some research that I'd done about that stuff into it. But it's basically... Um It's a fun sci-fi thing Whatever, download it for free Don't pay for it
1: <laughs> Oh, you wrote a book?
0: I see that you've done something that I really want to do And well, hooray for you And now you're getting kudos while I sit here getting strewed <laughs> well, hooray for you I am so very happy that this fortune came your way I didn't mean to say you don't deserve to have your day However, you'll forgive me if I feel compelled to say well, hooray for you
1: You actually don't deserve that one. I just wanted to hear it. It's been a long time because the thing with the hooray for you drop, which I love, it's just, it it comes from a bitter place and I don't find that I go there that often. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just same with Hey, go fuck yourself. Hey, hey,
0: hey, go fuck
1: yourself. It's like I've moved on from my bitter, hey, go fuck yourself place. I need to get back there. I need to be drawn back yes. in. I feel like recent events perhaps will draw me back in. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always the bitter, hey, go fuck yourself zone is always just right there, right beyond the, um, what zone is it beyond? It's beyond the um, hmm. sweet, don't fuck yourself zone.
2: Yeah, the tolerance zone. The above it zone?
1: Yes, I suppose so.
2: Yeah. I think that uh, the hey, go fuck yourself thing came out of the fact that you were getting so much hate early on or a while back and I think you were able to tune it out.
1: Yes, we were actually yeah. So so when I first started on the Adam Carolla show, I suddenly had a much bigger audience, and there was a portion of that audience who had let me know that they Just did not awful, appreciate
2: psychopathic fucktards. Yes.
1: Right, and I wasn't used to. So now I have a fairly thick skin when it comes to that. Thank thank um, thank goodness. Yes, but at the beginning it was it was surprising and it upset me. So you. Just, this is when we were dating. Um, off the cuff, you were just like, uh, why don't you just do like a segment like, hey, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is a great idea. So we yeah. did it for a little while, but then I got tired of kind of feeding the trolls, so to speak. But I still <laughs> love the hey, go fuck yourself drop, which is now a ringtone.
2: <laughs> well, it was always a thing like, if you start reading the hate, then does that encourage people to write more hate? If know? I
1: start you know, yeah. putting it on the show, right? right I always wondered that. Yeah. Although my life has been pretty, am I jinxing it? If I say it's been fairly hate free of late. Well,
2: I think that I for one thing, it. uh, the block feature is a godsend. So you can just, not I just see, use mute or mute. You can just not see a lot of the hate. So but it see, here fit. we
1: are focusing on the negative. When <laughs> no, really, I, I want okay.
2: Can I just say yes. this? Like, I really oh. think that you aren't, Oh, Wendy, just stumbly Wendy. we have a, uh, stumbly drunk walking through the dining room studios. Um, the, um, I'm, because I'm new to this, I've gotten a few shitty comments and it bothers me, you Mm -hmm. know, one shitty comment. Someone called you a gay. (laughs) It's called.
1: Which is not a shitty thing to be, but he was was wielding it it as if this is a shitty thing to say.
2: Well, there's a, there's all these dudes out there, all these alpha type dudes who think that the absolute worst thing that you can call a man is anything to do with a woman. You know, or anything feminine or anything right. gay, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, you know, you just get these things. It sort of bums you out. And then I was talking to you about it, and it's funny. I, I noticed how much you've gotten past it. This stuff doesn't bother you nearly as much as it used to. And you just kind of brush it off.
1: Hooray for me. Yeah, hooray for you. So, anyway, anyway, let's talk to the, the trusty, loyal listeners. That's you guys who I love. Thank you so much for being there, for liking the show, and I meant to say all this at the very, very beginning, but we're still in the beginning phases of this. So anyway, I have talked about how I want to add a third show a week, and I actually have an idea for a fourth show a week, too, so hang on to your socks mm-hmm. look out <laughs> um, but this third show a week right now we are talking about doing it as like a weekly wrap up show which is what this is and so we'll talk about stuff that happened during the week uh, and also I have I mean so I've just been jotting down all sorts of stuff Stumbly Wendy just stumbled out of the Who living room where she's going I think she might be heading over to the mm-hmm. pads okay let's see this is no longer interesting to the listeners yeah. but it is um, you know what we can just go on It's just, we can just clean it up. It's just carpet. Yeah. Come back, Wendy. I feel (laughs) a little nervous right now. Um, Okay. So anyway, all sorts of stuff we wanted to bring up. uh, And one of those things is, I don't know if you remember the segment deleted tweets. This is where we share tweets that that we thought about tweeting and Mm -hmm. then we deleted. I don't
2: have any prepared though.
1: Well, no, that's okay. You didn't know this was happening. No,
2: I didn't.
0: Feel happy. I believe we have a deleted tweet. Not so sweet. Maybe that thought is incomplete. Think I'll be a quick retreat. I believe we have a deleted tweet.
1: My husband just downloaded a sound effects app, so now I have to get a divorce. <laughs> Remember when I, I did tweet that? Our I- divorce jokes not funny?
2: Hmm, a divorce jokes funny.
1: I don't know. And
2: Anything can be funny.
1: But I feel like you didn't want me to tweet that. You thought it was not a good idea to tweet that.
2: Yeah, why didn't I? I there was a reason, though. Oh, um, you know why? Why?
1: I think that you were, I think we were afraid that someone would think that that was like me taking a dig at Bald Brian, which oh, it that's absolutely right. that's wasn't. Right. That's what it was. It was just the fear that suddenly there was going to be someone making fart noises and clapping sounds all over the place.
2: Um, I actually have some deleted tweets. Do though. you really? I found some in my notes app.
1: Some wow hold that thought for one mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. Hank. listeners hold it with us where is wendy <laughs> she's on her green bed. oh she is okay yeah. no problem then all right let's hear one of them
2: okay sorry if this offends people uh phoenix is like if dave and busters decided to create a city
1: <laughs> nice it's kind of true how old is that
2: i have no idea it's timeless yeah do you have more
1: no, I just had that one. It's oh, just okay. a it's just a one time we'll thing for me. One. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm right. sorry
2: to Phoenix people. I love Arizona. <laughs> I'm from Arizona. Yeah, I just I like to take the piss out of Arizona though. I don't know why. I think because when I came out to college, I went to USC and uh, I grew up in Tucson. And anytime I would tell people that I was from Tucson, they'd always look at me blankly and they would go, "Tucson, Arizona," as though it was just the most As if hit. you were in a,
1: a Pace commercial? Yeah, like
2: So I stopped trying to defend it and I just got into this routine of taking the piss but I love Tucson I know some people were like stop making fun of Tucson If I love you it. say
1: anything negative about any location there will be people who but will I defend But I truly it.
2: do love Tucson I know It's just that it's it, look it's, it's a place you have to spend some time in order to really understand what's great about it
1: Did I already mention that I have some news stories to possibly do in this show? I don't know I just can't remember if I'm, I just want to, I want to put everything out there. Hey folks,
2: Allison has some news stories.
1: (laughs) Right. But which maybe we'll get to, or maybe we won't. I don't know. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that you have a Mm -hmm. voice in your head, Mm -hmm. which is how you think you sound that you shared with me. Mm -hmm. Can you share that with the audience? Do you remember it? So this is now that because you're kind of you don't remember I don't remember, the, you're you're don't remember this conversation. To, oh, you don't. You're no. new to podcasting, mm-hmm. and so you're getting used to hearing your own voice, and you're getting mm-hmm. used to just being someone that well, people I, I listen to. The,
2: so the voice in my head is this how, deep, how sonorous.
1: You, that's not what, where I'm going with this. Okay,
2: no, but I got to do the contrast. Okay, so the, the voice in my head is like, you know, like this, like hi, you know, deep. <laughs> so I, like, I, I really should be doing voiceover work,
1: right? Like silky baritone. Yeah.
2: And um, when I hear back any audio from one of these shows, it's like, hi. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's me, Daniel. So I, I don't know if what it was I said to you, but that's Yeah, it was much,
1: something like that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it was, awful. I can't listen. It, it just makes me want to tear my ears off when I listen to this.
1: Just do the voice the way you think you sound just a tiny bit more.
2: The way I think I actually sound or yeah. to myself? The former. Hey. hi Allison it's me Daniel how you doing
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just get a real kick out of that that's not how you sound obviously what it
2: is is though it's pitched a little bit higher
1: but you you like really ratcheted up the sort of "Eh," annoyingness Mm -hmm. of it not that there's that in your voice Mm -hmm. I'm just saying when you you first told me how you think you sound it was very it was high pitched and wheedly
2: yes I know I don't remember what it is I did but yeah. I think that's true for everybody, though, because I think that what you hear is the, the you know, your voice echoing off of your sinuses and everything like that. And right. Just,
1: you hear your inside your head. Right,
2: right. So it's deeper.
1: All right. So um, on Monday, Ross Matthews was on the show. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to that episode?
2: I listened to about a quarter of it. <laughs> I know. A ringing
1: endorsements. I know.
2: Listen, <laughs> folks, this is not how this is going to go. I will have listened every week. This was just a really really weird week for me because i was sick and then recovering and then this whole week has just been kind of a crunch so i didn't have much time to listen to podcasts this week unfortunately
1: well i thought ross matthews was great i really really liked him he's eminently likable and he's someone who doesn't overthink things or he claims he doesn't overthink things Mm -hmm. he's his thing is like i'm just smart enough yeah and i as someone who overthinks things am envious of that kind of not going there or claiming not to go there. I don't know. But um, yeah. I, now there were some people who were like, you know, if you want to avoid losing listeners now that you're no longer on the Adam Carolla show, you should try to book Adam Carolla show type guests more. And with this idea that like Ross Matthews is sort of, you know, far I think what they were that, saying
2: is just not you know, guests that would appeal to gay men or women. I think that's what they were implying.
1: Hmm. Well, my feeling is, is, is that offensive? Yes. Super offensive.
2: Yes. It's all. It's really offensive. Okay. But it's also, um, who cares? Right, like if you can't handle listening to all, I was thinking about this. It's like, hey, if you are because um...
1: I guess I just don't think it was intended to be. Because here's the thing: is I wrote back and I'm like, did you listen to the episode? And the guy's like, yes, I did, or and like I liked it. I don't think it was intended. I think I don't okay. think it was intended to be offensive. I think I think on the face of it, it is offensive. I get that, but I don't think it was intended to be. I think it was just intended to be like. This is a transitional time for you, and you don't want to like drive people away. Well, I think but the person who tw- though. I think
2: the people who tweeted it may not have meant, Hey, I ha- personally have a right. problem with this, but you know, the Adam Carolla audience uh, may, and right. just hey, you know, you may want to, you know, worry about that if you want to keep those people um
1: but here the uh, funny so, the funny yeah. thing is that my hunch is that he's going to pop up on a bunch of shows because he's kind of making the rounds right now well yeah but i just feel like i want to book the guests that are interesting to me and that i think are going to be good interviews and my audience will find me and if someone's not into it then they don't have to listen and so be it as opposed to trying to be more um more deliberate in like I'm booking these people to try to appeal to keep this certain thing. Like I don't I, wanna I don't want to be booking my show from a place of fear.
2: No, and, and you want to just pursue what interests you and, and, and people all that sorts are interesting of, to you.
1: All sort it's crazy. It's so I feel so grateful. All sorts of people are reaching out to me mm-hmm. wanting to come on the show. It's people great. that I'd wanted for a long time. So Um, So stay tuned. Yeah, (laughs) but I mean also return appearances from people who have been on before and just all sorts of like there's... I'm so excited. Um, I I have found that now that I'm booking it myself, it's easier than I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. So I feel like saying that is going to drink something. But for now, it's been going quite well and I look forward to that continuing. Yeah. So there you go.
2: And Just back to that issue though for a second. I mean... There's there've been tweets from people, you know, some shitty tweets, and you know it's a fun game. I was thinking it's a fun game when you get a a troll to to go into their timeline and see how long it takes you to find <laughs> something anti-Semitic or whatever. And um, and I was thinking, you know, listen, folks, if you're one of those people and you're listening, you're f- welcome. You're 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 welcome to listen to this. We're not gonna pander to you.
1: One of those people. Yeah, oh, neither of those people. That's Daniel? right. A
2: bigot. <laughs> Right. If you if you hate Jews, if you hate gay people, if you hate Black people, people that are different from you, yeah, we're not going to pander to you. I mean, I just just because you might be another listener and that might mean mean another dollar or something like that, um, that that's just not what it's not worth it to us. It's not, it's not what Allison's about. But you're welcome to listen. You know, um, you're going to hear some things that. Might challenge some of your beliefs, you know, and that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. All right. So I have an email and you know that when I have an email, I like to pull it out of a sombrero.
0: It's the topic, topic sombrero. We asked for topics and you sent them in. It's the topic, topic sombrero. Now pick the topic and let's begin. It's the topic, old.
1: And this relates to the Thursday show, which is the other show we were going to mention since. And this was your idea, the Uh-oh. wrap up. <laughs> and now I feel like you're just turning your back on it.
2: What are you talking about?
1: You're turning your back on oh, our wrap up I idea. Know.
2: I know. Well, you leaving I used- me
1: holding the bag?
2: You mean because I didn't listen to the full Ross Matthews?
1: Yes. Just well, a, a I listened, to And an I just uh, feel like in general, your vibe is just not very into it. <laughs>
2: wow. Um, I will say this. I liked, what I, one of the things I liked about Ross was the way he... Oh, don't pander to me. Well, I liked how he took something that could have easily been something that defeated him in life.
1: His having a high-pitched voice. Yes. Yeah, and, that was inspiring. And
2: just made a decision to celebrate himself and how that um the character of a person who to the rest of us is so clearly different and um maybe uh eccentric i mean i don't know what you know how you would want to characterize it but doesn't apologize for it and is just putting it out there is it's it's a uh, very attractive in a person as a quality in a person. You you, yes. when you see someone who's so confident in themselves and so proudly un- unapologetic and yet has maybe a quality that you would otherwise think like, gosh, if I had that quality, I would be really insecure. So, yeah, you know? and I, don't, I don't mean that to, to, to put him down or anything like that. I mean, he would acknowledge that his voice is a thing, but it's like, because he's not, it's, it's like, it goes the opposite way. Mm-hmm. You, 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 He, he becomes magnetic. As well,
1: that's... Right. That's like that... Uh, so on This American Life this week, Lindy West, who's a writer, uh, did this piece about confronting a troll. Yes. And it was... You told me I should listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that people were tweeting about it. And it was so emotional. Like, I found myself crying at a certain point because she... So uh, her dad died. And then this hater emailed her from her dad's account from her dad's name was Paul West. And the uh, Gmail name was Paul West Dunzo at gmail.com and created a Twitter account for her deceased father and really kind of, you know, was fucking with her. And she had, she had been on the receiving end of a lot of online hate, but she said that this was kind of worse than anything else because it, her dad had died so recently and it just was so mean spirited. But anyway, she gets him on the phone Um, well, so she write, she wrote about how it made her feel. And then he sent an apologetic email and then ultimately they talked on the phone and really had this, um, heart to heart, which was crazy and so unusual that this would happen. But he said that the reason that he hated her was because she wasn't ashamed about her body, and yeah. he at that point was ashamed about his body. He had felt like he had, you know, weight that he wanted to lose, and here she was, and she was, you know, felt that she had the right to speak, yeah, and didn't make herself quiet, yeah, and that just bugged the fuck out of him.
2: Yeah, listen to the episode; it's really, it's terrific. really good. It, it sort of it reminds me of Lena Dunham, yeah, you know, who is who just is basically challenging you to deal with her physicality Mm -hmm. you know like every season it seems she ratchets ratchets up the how
1: unattractive she makes the unflattering situation she puts herself in
2: which is it's admirable it it creates the two reactions either you're really um drawn to that confidence and that you know, and find her. Om- well, she is presenting herself as this very attractive person. And guess what? She's attractive. Like, because she's not sitting there ashamed of herself. And then there are the people who feel like she wait, should be ashamed of herself.
1: Wait, do you feel like she's presenting herself as an attractive person or do you feel like she's not hiding herself? Because I feel like it's two I, different things. I don't think she's presenting herself as attractive as much as she's saying, I don't have to hide.
2: She's presenting herself... Okay, that's a good distinction. I'm not say, I'm not... I don't think she's presenting herself as an attractive person. She's presenting herself as someone who's not ashamed and someone who is sexual. So, attractive in the context of the show. Right. You know, that she is attractive to attractive men, for example. She's not... Um, yeah, she's not saying that she's some sort of sex symbol, but she's not presenting herself as like oh look at me i should be friend. yeah i should be you should be shaming me for the fact that i have uh you know fat thighs or whatever the thing is that you can't stand about her so it's um and that confidence and that unapolog you know not to keep using that word but that fact that she's unapologetic about it Are
1: you apologizing for using that word?
2: I am i'm sorry <laughs>
1: The um, so much less attractive to me right now. I preferred <sighs> when you were unapologetic about Listen, your I'm use not a of unapologetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and
2: I think that uh, I think that either people either are, are um, drawn to that or they just want to destroy her mm-hmm. because it's you know, and um, anyway,
1: all right. So the email because we totally got sidetracked, but that's okay. This is a follow-up to the iTunes comment of the week that we read on the Thursday show. Dear Allison, I am such a dork. I was so excited today when you read the review I put on iTunes for your show during your podcast. Just wanted to clarify that I did find your show by clicking top charts in the podcast app. You came right up. Also, many episodes are available on the feed, not just the newest episode. Because of this, I was able to listen to before the firing and after. That is the only reason I even know who your former employer is. I really have never heard of you and don't know where you came from. I just know I enjoy your show. Take care. Okay, so her iTunes comment, she kept making a point of how she doesn't know who I am, she doesn't know where I came from, she doesn't know who my former employer is, and I wondered when we did the show yesterday, I wondered, oh, she is she just joking because you know, she knows what recently happened. And so right. she's, she's going out of her way to sort of say all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but then I was like, or is she actually being sincere? And I love the fact that she listened and wrote in and let me know that she is being sincere. Mm-hmm. So thank you other Allison. Her name is also Allison. Oh. Thank you so much. That is so nice. All right. All sorts of stuff we could do. Let's think. What should we do? We talked about the Monday show. That mm-hmm. was disappointing. Not the show, but, uh, you. We talked about, no offense, maybe a little bit, working backwards, backpedaling. Here we go. Love you. Uh, we talked about the Thursday show in terms of that email, but we had a different group. One person was different. So it was Mm -hmm. me, Jenna, Jenna's husband, Al, and you, Daniel. Mm -hmm. And then my friend Dustin Goot, whom I used to do videos with all the time. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And I I felt like it was a really good group. I also really liked the group the week before with Jordan.
2: Yes. Jordan Morris, Uh, who will
1: be back next week. He's hilarious. Mm -hmm. I also liked the group the week before, which had my friend Trevor and Shane Dawson. I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. The sound was a little... You know, I'm still learning how to do all the sound. So sound was a little spotty on that one. And people were a little more, that was more of a polarizing group. And I don't know if it's the group or if it's just the sort of the bends because suddenly like, hey, here's a bunch of people that you're not familiar with after over a year of hearing the same people every week. I kind of think it it might be that. I think that
2: the... the thing about the thursday show for me is just getting to know the people and then checking in with them every week and um and you know when you're starting with a new group it's always going to be a bit jarring Mm -hmm. yeah you know and and especially like i had just met shane that night i think we'd all just met him and except for you obviously and so and he, he just met us so it was to sit down and be like hey you know we're gonna chat like we all know each other but right um I think we 've yeah I think it 's definitely I love the the all three, but um, I love the idea of someone rotating in every every week mm-hmm. you know so we 'll see
1: and then even though this is supposed to be wrap up it 's also a little bit of look forward <laughs> on Monday. My old friend, Michael Rosas, who's one of my favorite musicians, is the guest, and he played three songs live, and they're so good, and I have them stuck in my head, and actually they're a little bit melancholy, and I would prefer if I didn't have melancholy music in my head, especially Mm -hmm. while we were waiting... To find out that Wendy was okay. So good. I know, but there's just been this sad soundtrack in my head all day, except that I love his music. But that actually brings me to a little bone I wanted to pick with you. Uh oh. Here we go. (laughs) Is
2: is the point of this podcast for you to um, get on my case about things?
1: Do you want it to be? No,
2: I really don't.
1: Okay. Do you think the worst thing that someone can do in the entire world (laughs) is tell you no say to you of course guess not. what no. song i have stuck in my head and then when you <laughs> say i don't know but i don't need to know thanks you begin singing it is that the worst thing someone can wait, do wait or second. just one of I the don't worst believe, things i don't
2: believe that's what i did is it
1: i i don't think i started singing is. it i wish i could remember now what the song was though
2: oh really you want to get it back in your head N- Oh, Touche. Oh. So, what's for worse for the sake
1: of our, for the sake of the story, I think <laughs> um, it would be helped mm. if I knew the song. Can you play back the songs that you've had uh, stuck in your head god. this week? Uh, Just you know what? Just say, "Oh, I know." If you know,
2: I really don't remember the, the okay. song that's been stuck. Oh, god! Oh, here we go. This, you, you don't even know this song. So oh, no good. One. Okay. Uh, there is a song that was on a loop, and I mean an unstoppable loop for. Probably because I was sick. Maybe something happened with my brain for God four days, which was that Sia song "Elastic Heart." Oh,
1: I don't know that one. I know which Chandelier. is a great
2: tune, and the and the video is really neat, and the um you know she was great on SNL, and and so I was listening to it, and oh my fucking! You know, you, you ever have that thing where you you hear a song and you're like, oh that's so I love this song, and then you listen to it a few times, you're like, yeah that's great, and then it sticks in your head, and then by the next day you never want to hear that fucking song again because mm. something about it just... I
1: find especially a song that is the soundtrack to a sickness, then you can't go back.
2: Yeah, anything that happens while you're sick is ruined.
1: Yes. Yeah. In fact, so when I was a kid, I was always more into stuffed animals than dolls. Mm-hmm. But do you? you probably don't remember given that you probably just don't remember, My Friend Jenny dolls. But maybe the listeners will remember. Listeners of a certain age will remember My Friend Jenny. There was My Friend Jenny, My Friend Amanda, Mm -hmm. or Becky, or something. There was four different dolls. There was one that had dark hair, that was Jenny. There was one that had blonde hair, that was Amanda or Becky. There was one that had red hair. And then I think there was a black doll. Okay. It was just like a Benetton ad. Yeah. But anyway, um, that was the one doll that I kind of liked. But then I had some horrendous flu, and jenny stuck with me through the flu but then when i came out the other side i did not want anything to do with that doll again because it reminded me of being really sick
2: yeah it's weird yeah your brain just makes that association i know i uh, can
1: you stand to be around me because i was there while you were sick
2: a little bit (laughs) no i but you know i think it's that thing that happens to try to it's a to prevent you from doing whatever got you sick but it's like a it's not a precise. Oh right,
1: like I caught doll aids. Yeah,
2: your brain doesn't make a precise sniper shot at the thing that got you sick. It's just like it makes this big blanket. Everything within this zone gets tarred with that. Exactly. Gets, you know, so it's like, yeah, if you had a something that was perfectly fine to eat, you might associate it or whatever. Right. I w- I once I went I when I was a kid I I went over to a friends to. uh hang out one night and and his mom was never home and he's like well let's let's make something to eat and all we had was tuna fish and um uh tortillas and Yuck. so we made tuna fi- tuna fish burritos which
1: was it just canned tuna like no you know, it was anything like mayo
2: it was like tuna tuna salad you know like mayo and tuna
1: on a tortilla i think i could get behind that
2: uh-huh except that i got sick oh i couldn't eat tuna i mean probably for another 10 years you know but in that case, it was probably the tuna that got me sick. So bad
1: example. Right, You're just protecting yourself. All right. So there's three directions we can go right now. Mm. I have a story about what happened at the fertility clinic. Okay. We could talk about something that you want to talk about that I'm on the fence about whether we should talk about or not. But if we don't talk mm-hmm. about it in this episode, we can talk about it in a later episode. Mm-hmm. Or we could just talk about some news, some things that are in the news. What should we do? Uh,
2: I don't know. It's kind of up to you. I can tell you about um I can tell you Wendy Walk's story. That's a fourth option.
1: All right, let's hear that.
2: So, I was sick, you know? Mm-hmm. You know I was sick. Yeah. And I went to take her for a walk and I saw this woman and she was like a dog walker. She had probably seven or eight dogs and she didn't she couldn't really control them. So she was standing on the corner and the dogs had all gone in a different direction, so she looked like an asterisk, <laughs> and the the leashes were all wrapped around her, and there was this one like labrador- po- uh, puppy I, it had to be like i 't know nine month old that was just decided to to run circles around her, and she looked like a human maypole, <laughs> and I was just standing there like laughing, and you know how you do that thing where you don 't I don't know if this happens to you where you don't really realize that you're actually in the scene. I'm I'm, I'm standing probably twenty feet away from her, staring at her, just laughing at her. And then I, I feel realized like that's
1: because we live in a culture where we're behind screens all the time. Well
2: that, but I was also I was just a little well, you're sick. you're a sociopath. No, no, I was still a little sick and I was just like ha <laughs> <laughs> and then she looked at me and I'm like, Oh, I'm such an asshole. <laughs> I'm just standing here laughing at this person who's clearly having a problem. Uh, so I felt like a jerk, but it was funny.
1: Well, so what ultimately happened?
2: I just moved along. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't know how to... Well, I didn't want to get close because I had Wendy. Right. You know, and that was a whole pack of dogs. They were all very happy. Tails were wagging furiously. It was, uh... <laughs> I don't know if she My made it. My favorite
1: thing when I see the dog walking pack is that there's always that one dog that's just carrying its own leash. That's just... <laughs> and it's like, did that dog start out as one of the dogs? that she's supposed to walk into to the dog? Did they, that dog just... Like a rolling snowball, yeah. like just kind of get accrued as they went along. Maybe,
2: yeah. I don't know. All right. Okay. So
1: my my fertility clinic story, because yes. I know people are dying to hear this. I feel like we are pushing people away in droves. Come back. It's not always going to be like this, but it might be. I don't know. So much is up in the air. But so anyway... Um, I they put me on fertility drugs a couple months ago. I did not get pregnant, and then I couldn't do them the next month because I had a cyst. (laughs) I hope you're eating. Uh, But then I went in this past month, um, a couple days ago. What am I saying? Not this past month. I went in for for this. I went in uh, to see if if the cyst had gone away, and if they could put me on. Now they want to put me on an even higher dose of fertility drugs, which is. No picnic, although I'm actually handling the side effects fairly well. It's just um, the last round made me very cold, so now they want to put me on a different medication uh, that they say will have even less side effects. And they're upping the dose because they want to get my progesterone above a certain level and they want my luteal phase to be a certain length. And if that doesn't happen, then we go to injectables. And then pretty soon they just stuff a baby up inside me and they're like, Mm -hmm. just come back in when it's ready to fall out.
2: Mm -hmm. That's what they said.
1: That, I believe that is how it works. Mm-hmm. It's only like $40,000 or something. But so anyway, anyway, um, I went in and uh, at the end, the, the nurse took me into a room and she was going to, they give you this calendar, which has like what days you should start testing your ovulation and what days you should be coming back and what days to take the pills and all, and all the, you know, information that she needed to give me. So she has, our our folder with all of our paperwork in it and she's looking through to make sure that you've signed a release Mm -hmm. because when they give you the drugs they want to do uh intrauterine insemination which means like artificial insemination Mm -hmm. which will be happening at some point in the month and they need all sorts of releases signed by you and by me and they have to be i don't know why they need so much paperwork but there's so much paperwork involved so she looks she's like trying to find the release and at first i thought oh she's being very thorough I like that in a um, office, in a medical environment. I like the thoroughness, But then she can't find it. And now it's taking a while. And I know we signed this thing because we just signed it like, felt like a few weeks ago. Yeah. So anyway, she finally finds it. And then she's flipping through. And sh- uh, she's going through. And she comes upon the films from when I had surgery a few months ago. And she's like, oh, oh, you had a hysteroscopy. Uh huh. And she's like looking through. And then she gets to the next one and she's like, Oh, is this an HSG? That's like a picture of my uterus. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like I was dealing with a character that would be played by Kristen Wiig. Cause now she's just, it's like she was leafing through a yearbook. Like, Oh, you, oh, your uterus lining was, oh, this, this. <laughs> and I'm like, I do not understand why you are combing through this with a fine tooth comb because you're not a doctor. Right. I kind of have, that's a pet peeve of mine, is people who, have been empowered in medical situations to act like doctors who aren't actually doctors right. because they can scare the shit out of you. Like phys- physician's assistants, for example, I remember years ago going to the gynecologist again, I do hope you're eating. And, um, the physician's assistant was examining me and she's like, Oh, 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 okay. You need to make an appointment to get an ultrasound. We need to figure out what that mass is. Right. And it scared the crap out of me. um, it turns out that's what it was, actually. And then I said, could I, could I talk to my doctor? And the doctor came in. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, this is this is nothing.
2: Yeah, they got to be careful. I think they just forget. I think that...
1: That they aren't doctors?
2: No, they forget the effect that the things they say have on the right. patients, you know? They just don't A think about A good doctor
1: it. doesn't forget that, though although most doctors do forget that right yeah so anyway so she's going through and this is now taking forever and she's going back into like the early days of us visiting this doctor of like oh are you have you had your immunity against this are you immune because remember the, that was the whole big thing of like i needed to get my chickenpox vaccine i need to get the yeah. rubella vaccine da, da, da. Um, oh your, your vitamin d is low i mean this is stuff that we dealt with a long time ago mm-hmm. and we i go in so frequently it's weird that this is all coming up and then she wants to know about about your infectious disease panel. Now, did you not just get your blood drawn for your infectious disease panel? Yeah. Did they not call us to tell us? Yeah, like that a you- month ago. Yes. This just happened. Yeah. So she cannot find the records of this anywhere in there. And Ugh. she and this is going to be a problem. And she keeps saying, Are you sure? And I'm like, I'm a hundred percent sure because your office called to say her yeah. office called to say that the good news. You don't have anything that you already knew you didn't have. Yeah, but they so, have it. Right. So she she just keeps being like, "Well, it's not here." And yeah. I'm like, "I don't. What do you by want me to way, do? Go by find the way, his is vial Is she looking of at blood? paperwork?
2: Yes. Why is this not all on a computer?
1: You'd think it would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. So anyway, she's like, "Can he bring it in?" And I say, "He doesn't have anything." Your office is the one that called. Yeah. She's like, Hmm. And she wants me to give her the number of the lab where the blood was drawn, which I texted you to find out where it was. And then I looked it up. But like, couldn't she Google that? Right. So anyway, then I'm now ready to leave. And they told me, no, she told me to take the pills on day five. Mm -hmm. But the last time I took the pills, it was on day three. So I was wondering, well, why day five, not day three? Mm-hmm. Um, so I see another, whatever. I guess she's a, she, another nurse there that I know, and she's sitting right next to this one who's like the Kristen Wig character. And I say to her, um, you know, because she had dealt with me last time. I'm like, you know, last time it was day three, but now I'm being told day five. Do you, you know, which, which one should it be? And she's like, oh, let's ask the doctor. Mm-hmm. So she's like, let me pull up your chart. So she's pulling up the chart and in the meantime, the, the the Kristen Wiig character is sitting right next to her and says to me, you're all ready to go. You can check out now. You're ready what? to check out. And I'm just sitting there waiting for the other one to pull, up. It's like, to pull up the chart and she's like, okay, great. We'll see you next time. You're ready to go. You yeah. can just go. It yeah. was so crazy. Ugh. And I didn't want to say to her. I'm in the middle of something. It was It was so... I didn't say anything. Maybe I should have said something else. It was yeah. very, very weird. Anyway, finally, we got it all sorted out. And I'm actually glad that I was sort of the squeaky wheel there because they decided it should be day three or day four, not day five. Because oh I was ready to just be like, okay, I'm going to take her word for it. But I feel like I've learned lately that you just can't... Mm-hmm. If someone's not a doctor, you can't just take their word for it no matter how
2: right. much they're
1: de- how, no matter how much authority they're delivering that word with. So I'm glad I asked, found out it should be a different day. Anyway, then I got a call from her later. Good news, you don't have any infectious diseases. Yeah. Turns out they found it.
2: W- like, where was it? Was it like behind the toilet or something? You know, <laughs> like, what What do you mean you just found it? I don't know. It's so bizarre. I
1: know. So I found that whole thing to be very time consuming. I mean, if I've learned
2: anything this week, it's that being a squeaky wheel in medical situations is not a bad thing and you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel you know ashamed of it
1: well i hate that you have to though because you would trust that you would hope that you can just trust that everyone else would take care of it now you're referring to having well, to go to urgent Oliver, care but oh. just
2: like you know just everything i feel i feel that but you
1: said this week
2: this year is what oh I mean. okay yeah um yeah just in the last year yeah yeah this week too i guess
1: right Right, because when you peed blood, you could have just not done anything about it. But instead, we went to urgent care. And it's good we did, because otherwise, I think you'd be dead, maybe, or in the hospital.
2: I think uh, it would have just gotten worse, and I would have ended up in the hospital. But, you know, the thing about being an adult is um, if you get a fever, you need to go to a doctor. It's not like when you're a kid... You know, when you're a kid, you can get a fever and it just can bounce back. Right. There's, a, there's a thing that it's called. It's like um, unexplained fever or something, something. But um, when, you have, when you're an adult and you, and you get up to 101 or something, something is wrong <laughs> and you can die. So you need to go see a doctor.
1: That was a wonderful PSA.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, should we do some news? Yeah. Let's... Now, I don't have a news jingle, but okay. I do have this. News, 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 news with Allison. Yay. <laughs> I should have presented that like, oh, I just got this great new news jingle. Or you can end it like with. That.
2: <laughs> right? Yes. Get a little typewriter.
1: Ching. Oh, that would be good if you had that sound effects app at the ready. I
2: don't think I have. Um, I, had, I was I kind of just it. joking. Oh. Oh. Never mind.
1: <laughs> what were you going to say?
2: I was actually going to try to find it.
1: Well, while you do that, mm-hmm. I'll tell you that um, your girlfriend, Adina Menzel, is going to be performing mm-hmm. the national anthem at the Super Bowl. That's Are exciting. you excited?
2: Uh, sure.
1: You love her, don't you? I feel like you love her almost as much as you love, um, fuck, what's his name? Oh, Mandy Patinkin.
2: No, no. I love Mandy Patinkin a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like Adina. Um, I wouldn't say I'm in love with her, but she's uh, she's pretty great. I don't know. You have
1: email voice. You have the voice that happens when you're looking for something on your I know. Phone. I'm looking
2: for a... a uh, sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that... Uh, I, I wouldn't overstate it. I like her.
1: Okay. Maybe I am... I misconstrued how much you like See, her. See, like with
2: Mandy... <laughs> Mandy, uh, I I just love that guy.
1: That's a deleted tweet. Didn't you want to tweet? What was the tweet that you wanted to? I wanted to
2: tweet because we'd watched his 60 Minutes uh, thing, which I highly recommend. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there's a part where they show how Mandy um, at his home has this giant train set, like a huge room. This isn't like your grandfather's little train set Mm -mm. in the basement kind of thing. This is like a giant train set where with a crawl space underneath and little doors he can pop up into his little town. And I forget who the guy who who was doing the story was, but he says at one point, he goes, Mandy Patinkin is documenting his life with a model train set. (laughs) And um, I wanted to tweet something about how everyone, Mandy Patinkin is documenting his life with a model train set. Why is this not what we're talking about right now?
1: But I think it also was... There's a 60 Minutes on Mandy Patinkin and no one told me? Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, uh, he's just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's one of those people who's just himself, and I like that. I like people who are...
1: Are just unapologetically...
2: Oh, my God, am I annoying? I, no. But it is. It's like it's... Um, he's very sincere. He's a very sincere man, and he's in touch with his emotional side. And I think for me... Um I grew up around um a lot of the opposite and this idea of masculinity that was hammered into my head that was you are you know you have to be competitive and you have to be uh cynical and you have to make you know constant wry jokes about everything and you can never get um you know you never show emotion and stuff like that, but that didn 't jive with who I felt that didn't really ever fit well with me. And so to see someone like Mandy, it's like an, I, it's an example of masculinity that I think is much more healthy in many ways. Not to say that he's perfect. Cause he's obviously got, well, if you watch the episode, you'll see. right. He's kind of <laughs> manic. Yeah. There's issues obviously. But I mean, I just think like as an example um, of a healthier idea of masculinity, you know, look, you can be a man and you can be everything that that, means but you can also um enjoy art and you can enjoy opera or dance or you know trains yeah yeah like or just be in touch with your emotional life and not
1: did you get weak did you get that those messages about masculinity from both sides from your stepdad and your dad well
2: i didn't really see my stepdad as a um an example (laughs) which is a sort of a good thing i i i didn't he was so um dysfunctional and crazy that i just saw him as a person that i lived with mm-hmm. uh and my dad is a very stoic um, stoic yeah very stoic and st- and sort of stiff in his emotions um and my grandfather and everybody on my dad's side all the men um well i, w- I actually wouldn't say that my m- 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 yeah it's whatever it's not interesting but it's like um Definitely what I thought growing up was the way a man should be was that example of, hey, you know, you got to like football and you don't want to talk about anything that's uh, for girls or for, you know, feminized men. That's like the worst thing you could be. And, you know, um,
1: how did you deal with that? Like, did you try to become that?
2: I kind of rebelled against it, but I didn't know what the but I didn't feel. No, I totally rebelled against it. But the thing is, I never felt. Um, I always felt bad. I don't know what's the word. I felt insecure about that. Mm-hmm. Like, Apologetic. I knew that I didn't want to be like that. But on the other hand, I I felt like there was a that I that it was like, well, you're not being a real man because um you like musicals, <laughs> right? You know, and oh my, you know, I like Sondheim, so so you must be gay, you know which it's like as though that's the worst thing that you could say about a guy mm-hmm. you know anything like that and and um that's just really toxic and it's bad you know
1: it's look it leads to people being so shitty it, to each other and to being so unhappy in their own lives
2: it's just stupid you know, like, look, as human beings, and I've studied a lot of Jungian psychology and, and in that. So I go back to that. But it's like we all have the other um, inside of us. And it's a big, important part of you who you are. So women... You have a masculine side, and it's important to get in touch with that masculine mm-hmm. side. Look at you, you women. Know, you're,
1: you have a man inside you. Well, look sometimes. at all the business
2: stuff you're dealing with, Allison. Okay, you know, I'm and sorry, it's like, I'm just making jokes. yeah, I don't want your damn jokes.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry. No. I would barely call them jokes. I'm listening. Go ahead. Sorry, no, um, you're right. You're right. Well, you. It, yes, in order and that's to be, the thing is, I feel like I'm not. I'm. I don't. I'm not up to some of it because right. it's requiring this it's requiring me to be this like ferocious businesswoman, And because I feel like if I'm not tough, then there's these people who are, there's just, there's just all sorts of craziness going on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a part of me that's like, I don't, this is, I don't want to have to deal with this shit. But
2: that part of you is in there and I've seen it and I've seen you be tough and I've seen you fight for your show and I've seen you fight for things that, you know, are important to you. And, um, I'm not saying that that is a, If that is what men are, I would say, because it's not about men and women, it's Mm -hmm. about energies. And it's like, not to get all Mm. woo-woo, but it's like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's, um, hippie. Yeah. And um, no, I think that um, it's that, I don't know what you would call it, masculine, animus. It's the part of your personality that is... Um, about competition and about aggression and about uh, the projection of the will. Right. You know, and um, I would characterize the feminine side as being um, the nurturing side and the part that's about emotions and stuff like that. So you go, if you're not in touch with that part of you and nurturing that part of you, you're not, you're going to have a harder time when you're in dealing with some asshole (laughs) who's coming after you, a bully. And I'm not talking about who everybody thinks I'm talking about, by the way. Um, and you're going to have a hard time standing up for yourself. Um, and for men, if you're, not in, if you're out there and you're not in touch with the part of you that has emotions and the part of you that when you see um, people on stage dancing and singing and, <laughs> and, you know, and you don't allow yourself to have a genuine emotional response to that, you're gonna get sick. You're not gonna be. It's just you just are. Right. And so, you're gonna be unbalanced as a human being.
1: Something that's interesting. Well, right. Because that's the thing is to go back to Jungian psychology. It, it has to do with like what you identify with and what you consider the parts of yourself. And then it, yeah. if you if you cast it aside, if you're like that's not me, then it goes into your shadow. That's right. And it's still there. It's
2: there. You can't get rid of it. You know whatever the it, and,
1: it, and it actually gets it becomes there's more energy behind it the more you try to push something away the more energy you give it actually
2: exactly i like the uh, the analogy of a beach ball so all of the the character is, the characteristics that you don't want to think of is who you are so let's say you're a dude you know and it's like you know i'm not i'm not some i'm not a girl i'm not soft you know i'm alpha mm mm-hmm. And all those things that you don't... Well, they're still there. They're still inside you. Right.
1: You still have emotions. But here's
2: the deal. They gain power because you're trying to push them down in, like you're in a swimming pool and you're holding a beach ball under the water with your feet. Eventually, that ball is coming up to the surface. And if you don't have a relationship with it, it's going to disrupt things in a much greater way. That's how it works. So right. you have to kind of come to terms with all the parts and you know, whatever. Is, is this interesting, <laughs> people? <laughs> um, I
1: really don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. but, um, but something interest something that I thought was interesting that you said was that you, you know, didn't feel like a real man growing up or had mm-hmm. to sort of n- negotiate what that means. Mm-hmm. And similarly, I didn't feel like a real female growing up or I didn't know what it what that really meant. I feel like I was raised in a really genderless way. Yeah. I guess I, I don't know. It maybe because it was just um, I mean, I have older brothers, but they're a lot older than I am. So in the mm-hmm. house, it was just my sister and me. And it's not like my dad raised us as if we were his sons, mm-hmm. but he didn't not raise us as if we were sons. We, we were never told that there's anything we can or we didn't really. I was gonna say we were never told that there's anything we can or can't do as females, but it also wasn't really ever like acknowledged. Right. I just, it's weird. It's like I grew up on an island away from gender roles, I guess. <laughs> I guess, but then in a way, in a in a sense, there's a lot of things that were really what was the name archaic. of that island?
2: Was is it Amazonia? Yeah. Um, I think that yeah. I think what we're both talking about is like who we are coming into conflict with societal gender roles, right. You know, and like because and feeling I like I didn't know how to that.
1: flirt and I didn't know how to date and yeah. I didn't. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. wasn't like. Like the most popular girls in seventh grade, I wasn't like them. Right. I was like slow and fat and I don't mean slow mentally. I just mean slow in terms of running athletic. around. Yeah. Because yeah. I went to a very athletic school mm-hmm. and I was just dragging around. There's a lot more heft that was holding <laughs> me back. I was not a streamlined young person. That's right. uh, I was not aerodynamic. So, yeah, I just felt not nearly as sophisticated and worldly and cool and able to negotiate or able to, sorry, navigate social situations as well as these other like proto-humans. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of, Katy Perry is also going to be performing uh, at the Super Bowl. She's going to be performing during the halftime show. Oh, okay. And she told reporters at a press conference Thursday <laughs> that her performance Sunday will include a lion and sharks. Mm. So I have no idea what that means. Sharks? Yeah, I don't get it. But did you know mm-hmm. that I interviewed Katy Perry many years ago when she was Katie Hudson, a Christian singer? She I She was know 17 that. at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was really well-spoken and... You an ambitious and a go-getter and a people person Did you know that then. she would be a no, big successful pop star? I had no idea. Hmm. I had no idea. Um, but she had made an impression on me. Right. Uh, because I interviewed, so I was um, covering this big Christian rock festival for Seventeen magazine in New Hampshire. And that's where I met her and interviewed her. And at that time she was dating the singer of, I think it was, I think it was a band called Skillet, maybe, but it may have been another. <laughs> it might have been another Christian band. That I remember that was her boyfriend. And then that band was playing in the city sometime after that. And mm-hmm. I went to that show as part of the research for the story as well. And all of a sudden, this like young girl came up to me and grabbed my hand. It was like, hey, and it was her, and she'd remembered me. Um, so she's cozying up to the press then already. yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, no, and then years later, I, you know, she was had rechristened herself Katy Perry. And I was like, is that the same? And then I went back yeah. and looked at my notes and stuff and realized it was. And then I got an email from the photographer who had been working on that story as well, who mm-hmm. I'd gone to New Hampshire with. Like, did you realize? And I said, <laughs> Yes, I just did. It's like we had the same the realization at the same time. Wow. So um I uh I feel like I'm supposed to care about the halftime show. It's Much so, like I'm supposed to care about the Super Bowl and I just don't.
2: It's so weird that she's the halftime. I mean, the direction well, the she's NFL one is One of the performers. Oh, is there are there more? Yes. Who else? I mean, besides sharks and lions.
1: Well, Lenny Kravitz will join her. Oh. And uh let's see who else.
2: Lenny Kravitz. Maybe I that's never, it. I never liked Lenny Kravitz. I'm just going to say it.
1: Really, I did.
2: Yeah, I never uh I never got into Lenny.
1: I can't ne- necessarily tell you that you were missing out, but.
2: I just felt like his music was really derivative. It wasn't bad. It was just.
1: Eh,
2: I couldn't dig it. But um, I don't get the halftime thing at this Okay, Super Bowl. I'm going to
1: embrace how stupid I'm about to sound. Here it comes. Here we go. Is there normally just one performer or are there normally a few?
2: Usually there's like a main performer and then they'll have. Sometimes they'll bring out special. You yeah, know, so sort guests. of like Lenny, bringing Lenny Kravitz on. Right, there, or to kind of their, help ho- out. bringing
1: Chili Peppers to help whoever. Yeah,
2: so they'll like do a song with some other group or another performer. But there's one main person. She's that group. one main. Yeah, well. I believe. I. I yeah, well, see, the, the NFL's smart, though. They're just trying to get as many viewers for that telecast. So whatever.
1: Is it something you're looking forward to?
2: Uh, You know, I didn't really follow football this year. I don't know. I'm my interest in football kind of waxes and wanes some years. It's I'm really into it this year for some reason, maybe because maybe because this fall with Oliver, I just didn't get engaged in it. Um, And I don't watch games as much as I used to just Mm -hmm. because I don't have the time. Uh, But you know, I like the Seahawks They're you know, and the Patriots are hateful. So it's, it's fun. (laughs) It'll be fun to watch to see if they can lose, but you know, not not that into it.
1: Right. But we might possibly be going to a Super Bowl yeah, party. It's a spectacle.
2: It's always fun. You know, the Super Bowl, come on. Do I need to make the case for the Super Bowl here, people?
1: I mean, to an audience of one, which would be me. Maybe there's a few others of me out there, but. Yeah. So this uh, story came out there's a poll that shows that there's a giant gap between what the public thinks and what scientists think. So here's like the main thing. Scientists are less worried about genetically modified food, pesticide use, and nuclear power than the general public. Um, And scientists are more certain that global warming is caused by man. Evolution is real. Overpopulation is a danger and mandatory vaccination against childhood diseases is needed than the general public. Um, And, the gaps between what the public thinks versus what the scientists think, and it was the American Association for the Advancement of Science. That, that was the mm-hmm. group of scientists that they talked to. Um, the gaps don't correlate to any liberal conservative split. The scientists at times took more traditionally conservative views and at times they took more liberal views. So here's like where it actually broke down. Um, the most dramatic split of the scientists surveyed said it's safe to eat genetically modified food, while only 37% of the public say it's safe. 57% of the public say it's unsafe, and that other 6%, who knows what the fuck they were doing. Um, 68% of scientists said it's safe to eat foods grown with pesticides compared with only 28% of the general public. Now, where are you with all of this? I am not afraid of genetically modified food. Or pesticides. I think
2: the fear with the genetically modified food isn't in eating it for me. It's what it does to the the food population, right? right. Or, you know, like the the genetic line of foods. I'm more um, concerned with how mess, tinkering with that agriculture, stuff... agriculture, yeah, yeah, can have this you know larger effect down the line. Um, but I I guess I,
1: I just feel like that's been going on for so long. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's right it's, it's just, not a it's, new thing.
1: Right. It's like people that that worry about um you know, texting mm-hmm. or any new form of communication, people worry about that and it's like if you go back, they were afraid of the telegram as well. I mean, this has been going mm. on forever.
2: I just think they do a bad job of it. I mean, go buy a tomato at a grocery store and it just has no flavor. It's like, if you're gonna genetically modify a tomato... Make it taste like an orange. Make it taste delicious. Yeah. You know? Shit. (laughs) Scientists, are you listening? (laughs) Uh, Uh. But the pesticides thing, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess you don't wanna eat that. But, you know, I see people at work with that, like, fruit wash, (laughs) a vegetable wash. Right. You know, and it's like, what you're putting a... If it's not water in that bottle...
1: Right, what are you then putting on? Are you just on? putting
2: another chemical on the thing? I don't
1: know. I'm not afraid of pesticides. I'm
2: sure someone's going to tweet me and they'll be like, it's lemon juice, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine.
1: But here's the thing pesticides are to kill things that are tiny. Tiny. If it was like something, if it was humanicide, then I'd be concerned as a human.
2: Well, see, everything I know about that stuff comes from the video game Centipede. Okay. Was it Centipede or Millipede where they had the DN? D- TNT, no, D, what was it? The DDT? DDT bombs. And if you hit that, it would kill all the mushrooms or whatever. And uh, so I just know that it's bad because of centipede.
1: I feel like maybe that was millipede because I played maybe centipede and I don't remember this. Yeah, I
2: think it might have been millipede.
1: Do you remember with centipede when you'd be rolling the rollerball so fast mm-hmm. that like accidentally you would catch the a bit of your finger in between the ball and the edge of the ball, or in the edge of the little like well that the ball sits in. Is this just me?
2: That's just you. Yeah.
1: Hold, please. Oh. Sometimes
0: I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone?
1: I already did it. It was just me. I thought I'm you were the gonna only do, one. Hey,
2: go fuck yourself.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> I don't feel I deserve one. No for me. Oh, well then, okay. Hey, hey thank you. Fuck yourself all right, so ninety eight percent of scientists say that humans evolved over time compared with sixty five percent of the public. I mean, I guess it's good that it's that many people that believe in evolution. Yeah. But that's still a large chunk that I don't believe in evolution. And uh, 86% of scientists favor mandatory childhood shots, while 68% of the public does. 87% of scientists say global warming is mostly due to human activity, while only half of the public does. Um, But what we do about climate change is another issue. Two-thirds of scientists favored building more nuclear power plants, but only 45% of the public did. But more of the public favored offshore drilling for oil and fracking than scientists did. And um, the scientists say that the trouble is that the public doesn't know the facts. That's the issue here, is the facts and the source of information and trusting facts.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think... Obviously, the problem here is that scientists are... Well, okay. I think one of the problems is that scientists are not good at communicating and telling a narrative to people that sinks in. You know, they're competing with uh, much more compelling narratives, like say... Based on fear. Or even just based on, you know... Um, Anecdotal. Traditional beliefs. Right, okay. You know? I yeah, mean, I guess you're right. You know, if, if people are going every Sunday to a place where someone's telling a very compelling narrative that, you know, they've believed their whole life, and then you've got a bunch of eggheads from MIT, <laughs> you throwing numbers around, you know, one of the... I heard a statistic once, the least, the, um, the least persuasive thing for people is facts. right. Um, there was some study out of Cornell, I think that, that, and it's like what, I mean, this is what Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing or trying to do, which is scientists need to get better at telling stories, more compelling stories. And that's what I, you know, listen, there's, there's stuff out there. Radio Lab is great. I recommend it, you know, um, it, it but there is like, there almost needs to be a church for people where they can go every. Sunday and listen to scientists <laughs> tell stories about the, the natural world, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess a, a good story and a good narrative is just going to speak to people on a much deeper level than a bunch well, of numbers. part of the problem I is I fucking is that science, fell asleep during that story that I just read.
2: And science isn't reassuring in any way. And it doesn't always give you answers. And so that's part of the problem. Right.
1: It, right. It know? doesn't speak to what your soul is yearning science for. Science
2: is, is questions and... um you know, testing things and being skeptical and it's not its not as reassuring as I know what the answer is. Right. It's this. You know? Well,
1: this kind of dovetails onto something that we were talking about earlier, which is this whole measles outbreak and the vaccines mm-hmm. and now there are some doctors uh, who won't see patients unless they vaccinate their kids. Ah. So there's one pediatrician who uh, said, parents who choose not to give measles shots, they're not just putting their kids at risk, but they're also putting other kids at risk, especially kids in my waiting room. This is a pediatrician who made a rule that if you don't vaccinate your kids, he mm-hmm. He won't treat them, so that there's this ethical question now: Is it okay? Is it right for doctors to take this hardline stance? The American Academy of Pediatrics said, in general, pediatricians should avoid discharging patients from their practices solely because a parent refuses to immunize his or her child. Um, you know, however, if the relationship between the parent and the doctor becomes unworkable, the doctor may want to encourage the vaccine refuser to go to another physician.
2: But it sounds like they're making the choice as ethically as they can. They're weighing the needs of the many against, you know, it's like,
1: right. I mean, the argument against doctors doing this is that then it just sends the people into the arms of quacks.
2: Well, I don't know what to, I don't know. What to I don't say know. About I that. have, I, we
1: were talking about this earlier. I have this weird newfound, maybe it's because I'm trying to get pregnant, mm-hmm. newfound compassion for the anti-vaxxers, even though I think it's super fucked up and I think you should vaccinate your kids and I don't think it's okay to not vaccinate your kids, but I guess I started thinking, well, what is it that brings someone to the point where they're not vaccinating their kids? It's just, it's fear and it's wanting to protect their kids and I guess I can understand Mm -hmm. that mindset. That being said, it's one of those things where you have to just accept the science and the facts Mm -hmm. because you are endangering your child and you're endangering other kids. I don't know. It's weird. I can't, I used to be so resolute in my feelings about this, and now I'm, I'm having trouble feeling I think if there so was certain. Cr-
2: credible, even
1: though I still believe in vaccines. Obviously, I think the
2: problem is there's always going to be something out there where someone casts doubt. Yes. So, it, to a certain degree, you just have to have faith, and that's hard.
1: Right. You have to have faith in science and faith in facts. Right. Well, that sort of like brings us back to the Wendy Spaying thing. Mm-hmm. You know everyone would say that you have nothing really to well obviously there's any risk with any medical procedure but you really don't need to be worried about getting your dog spayed this is yeah. a routine procedure play the odds she's going to be fine and yet emotionally i was like i do not want to do this because i don't feel good i i don't feel confident i'm f- scared mm-hmm. and what if we drop her off and we don't get her back why why did we do that and right. yet i had to just act as if I'm not riddled with fear and Mm -hmm. just do the thing that a responsible pet owner does. Mm -hmm. And it turned out fine for us, Mm -hmm. but that's always hard when it's hard when you're gripped, when you're in the grips of some kind of fear.
2: Yeah. And I get it too. It's like if you have this sense that maybe a vaccination is going to cause autism and then you get the vaccination and your kid ends up autistic, you'd never be able to forgive yourself. Right. So if you've any amount of Yeah, I mean, it's like where do you draw the
1: line with that kind of thinking? Right.
2: That's so that's the problem. But I, I I guess when it comes down to this issue, um, I think people, you know, fine, you have the right to do whatever you want with your kid. And I'm, I'm not an expert in this, but I do believe, you know, like a doctor has the right to decide the rules of his office too. So,
1: well, so all States require children to get certain vaccinations to enroll in school, but California is one of 20 States that lets parents opt out by obtaining personal belief waivers. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, this, do you think all the states should should make it mandatory?
2: Um, for Is that for public school?
1: It says to enroll in school. See, I think
2: for public school, it's actually... I'm going to mm, assume it is. Because it, with public school, a kid doesn't have a choice. You know, like he, their parents can't afford private school, so they have to go to that public school. I don't know. The part of this that's confusing to me is the part where, well, who's at risk? Other kids that aren't... Vaccinated. vaccinated I mean, right. If you're vaccinated, it's a non-issue, right? Right. Um, so it's really either kids that um, won't get their parents won't vaccinate them, or kids who can't get vaccinated because they have health issues or something like that. So those are kind of the only ones that I care about. If the parents of a non-vaxed kid, but then the kid—it's not the kid's fault, mm. you know. I don't know. It's
1: it's thorny. let's not have kids. <laughs> i feel like we're halfway there yeah all right and then finally katie holmes is going to guest on ray donovan and i bring this up because i know that you have strong ray donovan feelings not like that not like what i'm not like into ray donovan right that's the, that's your strong feeling your strong <laughs> feeling is that you refuse to watch it with I me so i don't watch it, so it anymore badly to
2: like ray donovan
1: oh wait hang on Ray Donovan
2: yeah, Ray Donovan, I wanted to like it um, and what I, I just feel like, okay, so this is a show that 's supposedly about a Hollywood fixer, which is a really interesting idea, and you go, oh my god, that so there, there could be so many cool stories, you know, stars who get into trouble and then how to get them out of that trouble and all the inside workings of these shady hollywood types and instead it's um while well, it takes place in LA it's about a bunch of boston area boxers and mobsters like who gives a shit i am have just had an can i just say i've had an ass full of boston mobsters i don't care i don't care about boxing <laughs> and i don't want to see any of that shit in a story that takes place in hollywood it's, t- it's like, the habit takes place in Boston and let me ignore it. <laughs> um, sorry, you people in Boston. not at you.
1: all by it? Because I liked the first nope. season. But then I, I was, so after you took your hardline stance, I was like, fine, I will just watch Ray Donovan on my own. I mean, it had, but then it I had made it like okay in two it. episodes into the second season. It, I was all
2: right. it was a bit morose and, you know. It was. It was. Just, you know, I.
1: I didn't, I didn't appreciate someone being named Bungie.
2: But, I don't but know what why. is not doing in L. A. It has nothing to do with L. A. Well, there was I feel like they the, yeah they did n- sort
1: of turn their back on this Hollywood fixer. It's like it could have
2: been it could have been in New York. It could have been in it, it, it was an East Coast story on the West Coast, which is so.
1: Your argument against it was location.
2: It felt incongruous, and then I just kept getting bumped by the fact that they completely forgot about the fact that he's a Hollywood fixer. It's like they wanted. It's like they wanted to tell a story about this family of guys from boston and this sort of you know these different generations and this father who is this overbearing sort of bad dude and dealing with that father and you know the hard scrabble boston streets but they pitched an idea about <laughs> a hollywood fixer so they just shoehorned the one thing into the other thing but the the thing that's interesting they just completely let go i mean maybe season two it got more into it i don't know but like it was barely there yeah yeah uh, uh, you know that uh, hey that's just me <laughs> sorry if you like the show
1: yeah i don't know if i'm gonna return to it or not at a certain point you don't even miss it anymore but yeah maybe i will go back and check it out because i did like it sort of yeah i know i did yeah. i'm not gonna hide it i'm not gonna be apologetic about the fact that i liked this show even though you didn't like it
2: i actually like it better now that you're unapologetic really? about it. There's mm-hmm. something
1: attractive about it, right? Yeah. Well, this has been fun. It's been weird, but it's also been fun. Yeah. Listeners, let us know what you think. We prefer if it's something positive. Don't be too mean. Um, but we are, you know, tinkering with formula and, and format, I mean, and all sorts of things. So anyway, also give us a little bit of a break because neither of us slept very well because we had a crazy day yeah, we were really anxious. We
2: got up at like really super early, got <laughs> five hours of sleep, excuse me. And uh, so energy level will be better. I will have listened to the Monday show. We'll be a
1: little more coherent. Um, all of that. Wendy won't be so wobbly, and I won't be distracted by Wobbly Wendy. All right. If you're going to buy something on an- Amazon, click through the banner on my website at alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show. Thank you so much for your Amazon support. Thank you so much for your PayPal support. We've got PayPal links on the right side of my uh, website, allisonrosen.com. And we have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You can get that by searching, Hey, go fuck yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA podcast festival. First one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. Next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa and much of the departed Thursday gang. Those are a dollar 99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can email us, A-R-I-Y-M-B-F show at gmail.com. And also you can listen to us now. on So it's iTunes, AlisonRosen.com, SoundCloud.com slash A-R-I-Y-M-B-F, Stitcher, TuneIn. I'm everywhere. Daniel, where should we go for you?
2: At. That's the at sign. Oh. You find it at the top of your keyboard. You don't write A-T? You have to push the shift key to get it. Okay. And then Daniel, Quantz, Q-U-A-N-T-Z.
1: All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Daniel. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye.
0: Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. The Allison Rosen Show. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. That's right. That's right. Those good times don't seem And Rosen show. We had a good time, but now it's time to go. Hope to see you next time for the Allison Rosen show.